You thought we'd left you, didn't you? Never fear, the Koshcast is here after a quick summer holiday and there's plenty to discuss. Fabinho's in at Liverpool, Arsenal trying to sign them all, old players that is, Juventus are up to their old transfer market tricks and Leon have got their knickers in a twist, in which case how to adequately describe what is going on at Sporting Lisbon. Transfers aside, there's a small matter of the World Cup to preview if you care about that kind of thing, and we look ahead to the World Cup in 2026 as well as we discuss all that with a special guest. Welcome back. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Koshcast on underthekoshblog.com and at under underscore the Kosh on Twitter. My name is Alex and Bernie is here. Hello, hello. You are in a Nigeria kit, but it's not the new one. No, it's not the new one. That one will be showing up shortly. Good to know. I got a guy on the black market. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and he said too much already. <laughs> and joining us today, Raul Kavapoli. Did I get that right? Close enough. Close enough for jazz. Good to be uh, back. Global news, market in English. Anyone else you working for at the moment? A bit of uh, freelancing for this, the soccer stuff, the athletic, once in a blue moon, 442, but global is uh, what pays the bills. Nice. Yeah. Very nice. How are you, man? I'm very well. I, I don't have a kit because I don't have a country in the World Cup. Same. My countries so. are India and Canada. Uh, so. uh, well, uh, Roche, who is not with us today, um, actually, speaking of India, just sent us a thing that says... These are the top three international goal scorers, possibly. I mean, he's taken this from a really dodgy Twitter account, so we'll see. But number one, Cristiano Ronaldo. Oh, sorry, it's games, not... not. No, it's games and goals. It's games a- and goals? Active international goal okay. scorers. Anyway, number two is Sunil Chetri. This is correct. Yeah, this you is, can verify this? I can verify this. 102 games, 64 goals. Yeah, yeah. He re- just recently passed, uh, I guess it was Ronaldo who was... Or Messi, whoever was... Th- I think it was Messi who was third. Seven, yeah. Uh, so he's better than Messi? Yeah, he's definitely better than Messi. Who, do, who, does he, who does he play for day to day? He plays for Bengaluru FC in the fairly new Indian uh, Super League, I think it's called. Okay. And he's 33 years old. He's a captain. And uh, uh, he, he recently put out this Twitter video um, sort of imploring Indian fans to come out to games. And it, it caught, caught fire on social media. And, and, and uh, a bunch of people went to um, this... Uh, exhibition tournament mm. called the Intercontinental Cup or something in which okay. India beat Kenya in the final 2-0 wasn't it 2-0 uh, I think with two goals from, from Mr. Chetri and, oh. uh, he put so, his money where his mouth was yeah so it, it's it's pretty cool what he's done You're just probably a Wanyama less <laughs> yeah, yes <laughs> Wanyama was not there he was very much not playing he's <laughs> probably an under 21 Kenya but let's not <laughs> let's details are unimportant yeah well well done well done Mr. Chetri that's, uh, that's quite an achievement um all right, where should we start? Should we, should we start with the World Cup preview since we're on international football? Yeah, sure. We basically have two topics today. One is the World Cup and the other is transfers. And uh, you know how much fun the latter is. So. Yeah, and you can't do transfers until the World Cup is over anyway. So. <laughs> As everyone knows. All right, well, um, let, let's start by going around the table. Uh, Bernie, are you excited for this World Cup? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's the whole Russia thing... I mean, okay, I'm excited for a lot of controversy because I think there's going to be Russian hooligans, there's going to be racist chanting, or there's, there's going to be newsworthy topics. And also, Nigeria's kit is the greatest thing of all time. Mm. So, everything outside of actually playing football, I'm excited for. I don't know, World Cups to me, it will take two weeks before it actually gets interesting. So, we'll, we'll wait till then. Fair. Roll? I'm getting more excited uh, the closer it comes. We're just a couple of days away. Uh, Actually, I have a feeling this World Cup's going to be the reverse of the last one in that I felt the last one, the group stages were a lot of fun, but then the knockout stages, it was kind of cagey. And just going through the bracket, I think this time it might be the other way around. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic. And the off-the-field stuff, yeah, it's, it's going to be a, a shit show in a lot of ways, but it'll I, be fun. I, I do wonder, though, I mean, I agree that there will probably be some kind of racist bullshit, but how much, how many Russians are actually going to be at these games is my question. Because usually at the World Cup, there are some people from the host mm-hmm. nation at games, especially their own games. Mm-hmm. But then the other games are mostly attended by people from the countries mm-hmm. that are playing. I, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. But there will be... I'm sure it will be fun activity in and around the games, and you probably have a big Russian presence around that. Um, there's a whole thing about the Russian hooligans taunting the England fans already and telling them to, be re- to get ready for it, and that's going to be interesting. Um, but for me, it's weird. Of the last... 
World Cups, this is the one where even a week into it or going up, leading up to it, I'm not yet there. I'm not, yeah. I'm not excited. I'm not, I haven't done a predictor or anything like that. I did it for <laughs> someone else. I didn't do it for myself. <laughs> it's just every, everything else I was into it. I was already had the jersey. It's just, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not there yet. I'm not sure. If, if, it feels like a lot of people aren't yet. For Fair enough. Reason. Fair enough. Um, Ro, you said you don't have a, a dog in the, in the fight. Uh, I mean, I, I've always supported Brazil in international okay. football, but I'm not, it's, I guess it's one of the reasons why I enjoy the World Cup is I'm not super invested in any one team, so I can really enjoy it as, by and large, and neutral, even though I, I cheer for Brazil, so it's a, it's a different, different enjoyment. Is, is there a reason for that, cheering for Brazil? Uh, that's just what grabbed my imagination when I was a kid, mm-hmm. you know, like leading up to the 98 World Cup, mm-hmm. uh, I loved Ronaldo and Roberto Carlos, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know exactly why, but I just got sucked into Brazil fandom, and uh, that's where it started. Man, man, football must be hard for you. Uh, Brazil and Real Madrid just, just never win. <laughs> just never win anything. It's, yeah, not, it's, it's not been good for Brazil recently. No, yeah, but you know. Yeah, you the could, last World Cup was not fun. Granted. But, uh, Wait, you know what? I, I did notice, I think a lot of people of our generation grew up, If even if you had a country like that was regularly in the World Cup, you always supported Brazil. And I feel part of that was, and I think it was a football ramble that was talking about this, but part of that was, the Nike advertising around 96 to 98 and yes. Ronaldo coming up at that time and Rivaldo coming up at that time, plus all the ads that were going on. They were in your face, but they were doing things that were different from everybody, everyone else at the time. Yeah, so if you were a kid during that age, you just couldn't help but get but yeah. uh, you know get sucked in by all that. And I remember a Pepsi did a bunch of newspaper ads in the Times of India, I remember this, and you'd have like Roberto Carlos and David Beckham wearing like, mm. Pepsi jerseys. And you know, that stuff's just really cool when you're nine ten years old yeah and uh the, the thing that was really interesting to me and I, I always thought about this recently because of twitter you have an overload of information whether it's gifs or videos or highlights youtube it's welcome to whatever team whatever you know fred times from national yeah. all of a sudden you get to see everything about him but everyone in the world back then no if i, I can tell you that 90 percent of people had not seen brazil play no. but they all said mm-hmm. that ronaldo was the best player in the world. <laughs> <laughs> you know, i find that really interesting and that's why pele was probably shit because <laughs> <laughs> no one actually knew no, but, like it's true like you watched you, you got to see the, and it was kind of the same with the champions league at the time you didn't get to see these teams at all regularly mm-hmm. and then they'd show up once every four years and Brazil, especially, would just be dazzling. Like they, especially if you grew up like we did, watching mostly the Premier League, mm. and then you, so you'd see clogging four four two midfield battles every week, and then you show up and and Brazil are just like dancing around the pitch, doing nutmegs like, and like watching <laughs> Ramonas, <every> and, Yeah, <laughs> it was it was it was stunning. And then you know, Championship Manager brought everything a bit a bit closer to us, and we could actually find out more information about them. But. Um, Sorry, this bout of nostalgia makes me a little bit curious. Yeah. We'll get on to the current World Cup, but what's your favorite World Cup moment of all time? Favorite World Cup moment? <laughs> I mean, 2002, because Brazil won, was, was special like for me as a fan. Um, mm-hmm. But I can't pick out a specific moment. I mean, the whole Ronaldo story coming back from his injury and, and being top scorer in the 2002 World Cup, that horrible uh, crescent haircut in the final, <laughs> two goals. You know what, if I had to pick a moment, it would be uh, Ronaldo's first goal in the final mm-hmm. in, against Germany because Rivaldo uh, uh, had the sweet dummy and, and Ronaldo slaughtered it mm-hmm. into the, the, the side netting. It was, it was just a beautiful goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that would be it. And 2006, uh, Zidane destroying... Brazil single-handedly was painful for me, but also beautiful to watch. That was oh, exceptional performance. One of the most amazing perform- individual yeah. performances I've ever seen. It still blows your seen. mind when you watch it back now on YouTube or wherever. There, there are a lot of people, I was listening to, the whole, I've been doing a lot of work on nostalgia because I don't care for this one. But a lot of people <laughs> were talking about uh, that was actually Zidane's greatest performance ever. That in France 98, and I, I think we were all a bit too young to analyze it as much as we probably do now, but he... From what I hear, he didn't play well until the final when he scored two goals. And then he won the FIFA Player of the Year, which is hilarious. But in 2006, he was the best player in the world. He carried that team. And he carried that team. When you carry your country and beat Brazil, you know you have done wonders. And he did that. Yeah. No, it's true. Uh, Mine was uh, Wayne Rooney getting sent off against Portugal, ruining England's (laughs) chances of progressing in uh, 2006, I think. Um, because it, it looked it looked dangerously like they might actually do something for a few minutes. There. I mean, Rooney was unbelievable 
before then. He was smashing in goals. It looked like England actually had one of the best players at the tournament. And then the idiot got himself sent off, and yeah. everything was all right with the world. And yeah. The wink, the Ronaldo wink. The Ronaldo wink. <sighs> that was joyous times. Ronnie, how could you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have to go with. Uh, I wrote about this: a Sunday Olise goal against Spain. That was. I still remember that as a kid. That was wild. Was this ninety eight? Ninety eight. Can you can you do the commentary? Oh, go on. No, I can't. Give us Fine. pigeon commentary. No. <laughs> <laughs> that, that I wish I watched. That would be hilarious. Uh, yeah, I, I, after that, I, I mean, what, what, what else? Uh, what was his name? Grosso? Oh, mm-hmm. the curling effort? Oh, that was beautiful. Sorry, the Elise goals against Spain? Yeah, against Spain. Can, can I pull it up, maybe? Sure. I mean, sure. You can pull it up. My, my laptop's unreliable, so this is probably a bad idea. <laughs> um, so, how far did Nigeria go in that, in that World Cup? Uh, second round got blitzed 4-1 by Denmark, which made no sense. Because we blitzed everybody else and then got absolutely murdered by Denmark. All right, here we go. going to be a long throw here from JJ Okocha. Pierre heads out. Odyssey! Oh, what a goal! Mm. Sunday Odyssey with a wonder strike. Nigeria have turned it around, and now they need. How are we feeling about the pronunciation? I accept it for what it is. <laughs> His name isn't as complex as other people, so there's only so far you can go with making it, messing it up. It sounded like he said, oh, I say. <laughs> Maybe that's what he wanted to say. Maybe. That was a great goal. Oh, man. What, what a, was what the a hit. Uh, final score of that game? 3-2. 3-2. Was down, that the, the, the winner? That was the winner. Went down twice, and then uh, when, oh, Zubi Zaretta had a horrendous error in this game. That was hilarious. But... Uh, what, what's the bigger error, that or signing Andre Gomes? Mm. <laughs> Andre Gomes. Okay, fair enough. All right, let's uh, let's end the nostalgia trip there and move on to uh, this year's World Cup. So why don't we go group by group? Bernie, you said you haven't done a predictor, so why don't we do one now? Sure, why not? Group A, starting off with a banger: mm-hmm. Russia against Saudi. Um, Are we going to predict all these games or who goes through? Because Saudi and Egypt, uh, not Saudi and uh, Russia, don't care. No, I, I mean, I assume. I, so I've been curious about this World Cup. Is like, how far can Russia fix their games? Because mm-hmm. there'll be something, right? And but it's it, even for them, it's too unrealistic for them to get to a semi-final, or final, because they really are shit. But you'd think the first one probably. I think they get through the group, and that's it. Really? Yeah. Through the group. All right. Uh, sorry, Alex. It, in Korea, Japan, how far did Korea go? Semi-finals. Semis. Okay, then Russia can go to the finals. So I'm just saying. <laughs> I, th- I think they have more about them in the match-fixing oh. <laughs> category than Korea do, that they can make it that far. I'm just saying. Oh, I'm thinking about An Hyun Wang. <laughs> um, so, so, all right. So if Russia are going through, then, uh, you're, so Roel, you're making the bold prediction that Saudi are not going to make it. It's, they may have the best kit at the World Cup, <laughs> according to some Twitter polls, but I don't I need, think... I need to see this kit, because okay. I'm offended. Bunny, it's, <laughs> it's just white with a tiny bit of green. I, I think they're probably the worst team at the World Cup. Uh, maybe Panama slightly true. better, so yeah. yeah. Shockingly enough, they're, they're out. That's fair. All right, so if Russia are through, Saudi are out, that means you think Egypt will go out and Uruguay will go through? That is correct. Okay. Egypt uh, will go I mean, out. That's a bold one. I, I Personally, I'm going Egypt over Russia. But, you know, you know what? I, I thought about this. I would have had Egypt until I thought about match fixing. Mm. Uh, so it will be Uruguay winning every game. And then Russia and Egypt will probably have the same number of points. And, <laughs> and Russia will go through. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Group B. Uh, Spain, Portugal, Iran, Morocco. Probably the, probably the easiest group to predict. Yeah. Do we even need to go here? No, I've, been, I've been hearing a lot of... Uh, Pundits uh, really ruling out Portugal and saying they'll go out of the group, but I think a lot of people are sleeping on Portugal and they actually have a pretty good team, definitely better than Euro 2016. Sorry, right. if they're going out of the group, who are they losing to other than Spain? A lot of people are saying you know, Spain and Morocco are going to go through it. I don't. I think it's, I mean, it's got to be Spain and Portugal. Yeah, I, I, that that seems kind of naive. I mean, Portugal, a lot of people Portugal. are high on Morocco's team, yeah. and I think most of it's on the basis of they're all foreign born. And, 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 you know, they're Moroccan ancestors and they've all decided to come back and play for their country. A lot of people are high on that, which makes no sense to me. Okay. I agree with Raul. But it's like, Portugal still have a better team. Yeah. <laughs> and it is a better team than 2016. That's yeah. the hilarious part. It's, it's not just a... I mean, 
they're still obviously dependent on Ronaldo, but not as much as the past few years. Like, they have a lot of talent. Yeah, Andre the midfield is finally. Is that Andre Silva? Is that yeah, Andre Silva is there. And Bernardo Silva is Bernardo obviously there. a good player. Guedes from Valencia is there. They slap Pepe at the back, who's, you know, not, not fun to play against. So. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. Uh, Pepe and Bruno Alves is just like a, a monster. Bruno Alves is still there. He's around. Oh, God. He's involved. Um, okay, well, what I will say about uh, Iran, though, is that last World Cup, we went up to Jack Astor's in North York. Um, to watch Iran against Argentina, I believe. And that was one of the best atmospheres I have ever encountered. I mean, the whole community was there. It was unbelievable. Even Gion Gameshi showed up and that didn't ruin it. So, I mean... I forgot that guy existed. Yeah, probably for the best. Yeah, true. Um, all right, Group C. Australia, France, Denmark and Peru. You have to see all four of them now in a Danish accent and then a Peruvian accent and... I dare you. Uh, no. <laughs> no. Um, I, I was trying to channel Christian Eriksen, but I can't remember what he sounds like. Me, me neither. It's kind of ethereal. Anyway, um, so France are going through, yes? Sure. Yep. I mean, I, I don't rate Deschamps at all. I think he's useless, but they should be able to navigate this, right? Despite him, yeah. Yeah. Um, but then, I mean, Denmark aren't a bad team at all. Peru, no one knows quite enough about them, I feel like, and Australia are going home. Peru have a very good world uh, ranking. I don't know why. Sixth or something. <laughs> it's just altitude. <laughs> I wonder if it's a bit like Poland. Now, Poland played every bad team, so they got friendly points and they got into the top 10 or whatever. Because they were in Poland for this World Cup because of that. So I feel like Peru did a similar thing. They've shot themselves in the foot. <laughs> like, I mean, I understand wanting to climb the rankings, but don't get yourself in pot one. Yep. Yeah. Um, so who, who's coming second here? Peru or Denmark? Denmark. The head says Denmark, the heart says Peru, because they've traditionally been a really shitty team in South American qualifying. But mm-hmm. So just them making it this far has been an amazing story. And they have an awesome kit. They do. The red sash. Yes, they do have an awesome kit. I, I do hope Peru goes through just so we can recycle our Alberto Solano article. That, and get some hits from that. That, I'm a bit... Well, we are, we're all big fans of Paddington the Bear. So, <laughs> so for his sake, darkest Peru, please. Um, group D, Iceland, Argentina, Croatia, Nigeria, the group of death. What, what, are, what are your Nigerian okay. brethren saying? First off, yeah. we are sick and tired of being paired with Argentina. <laughs> Every single World Cup, we play Argentina. It yep. makes no sense. This happened in last one? The last one, yeah. I believe it happened, no, not the one before, but it happened in 94. And it's just, we played in the Olympics. I'm tired of this. Like, I'm, I'm tired of Lionel Messi. I'm tired of Argentina. This is absolute bullshit. On that note, we're going to get out of this group. Yeah, well, I think, well, do I think you will? I don't know. This is, um, yeah, th- this is my bold call for the World Cup that's, that's probably going to bite me in the ass. But I would not be shocked if Argentina failed to make it out of this group. I agree with you. I've heard that. I because agree with you. I think Argentina, they could win it all if Messi carries them and does superhuman things. But they could, they could f- flop out of the group stage. I mean, Croatia has a lot of talent, individual talent. If it comes together for them, you know, they could make it through. And I think Nigeria as well can, can beat anyone on their day. And it's true, and Iceland aren't a bad team either. Yeah, like, they're not easy to beat. To beat so. They're not easy to score against. And and the thing with Nigeria is, we're, there isn't a, a, a huge weakness. It's not nothing that's all overly t- great either. It's a bit middle of the pack, but... They've been consistent. They did beat Argentina 4-2 in a friendly, and sure it's a friendly, but they still did it. You also lost to England, so that kind of cancels itself yeah, out. Yeah, and Poland as well. Oh, no, we beat Poland. But we lost to Serbia. So, like, <laughs> we can do anything on right. any day. So, it's a bit of yeah. a toss-up. But Iceland, I don't think, will get out. Argentina, I do. I'm not going to go against Messi. I won't do that. Croatia, for me, in the last World Cup, I believe they didn't make it out the group. So, they're a bit iffy themselves. So, even with all the sound they have. And they just got a brand new coach. And they've had political issues back home with their football federation. And it doesn't it- seem like a United squad. Is that a new manager or like a new bus to get them to the <laughs> Both. Okay, okay. Uh, so you just never know how that's going to go. I, I do want to read some wonderful tactical analysis Please. from, uh, from Mascherano. Um, so he said, Croatia are first-class side with top players, especially in midfield. He named uh, Modric, Brozovic, Kovacic, Rakitic. I'm surprised he knows all of them. 
Um, he said, Nigeria are quite well known to us, of course. We've always met in the last World Cups. They're tough, not just because of their physical power, Here we go. It, <laughs> but because their disorganization has the effect of disorganizing <laughs> you as a rival. And that's when teams like ours suffer the most in disorder. Wow. wow. I don't know where to go with that. Oh. Well, don't you have a German manager? He's wonderful. And oh. we are so disciplined. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, maybe in the past World Cups, we had some... But hey, it took a Messi, a Lionel Messi wonder free kick to beat us last time. So I don't know this disorganization thing where he's getting that from. I think it's a little bit racist. Yeah, just a little yeah, bit. Yeah, just yeah, a little definitely. bit. Just a and touch. this is the Russia World Cup, so hey, whatever. Um, wow. Yeah. Oh, that's disappointing. Yeah. Oh, well. Um, what I will say about Argentina, though, is that, you know, historically the thing has been, well, Messi has such a great supporting cast at Barcelona, and when he gets to Argentina, it's not replicated, and so finds everything harder. Fortunately for him, over the last couple of years, Barcelona have lowered themselves to some useless standard. Mm -hmm. And so he's had a couple of years of practice of really <laughs> carrying a team mm -hmm. completely and utterly. Mm -hmm. So maybe, you know... This will be easier for him this time. Fair point. I, I do think that Marshawn is probably still mad that Ahmed Musa put him on his back. <laughs> <laughs> Ahmed Musa is my favorite Nigerian player. I'm just going to put that out there. Is he still at Siska Moscow? Yeah. He's back at Siska, yeah. He is fun to watch. He really is. Uh, can he play anywhere that isn't Siska Moscow at some point? I just want him to play against Mascherano. That's, that's all. I think that's all he, he's good for. <laughs> <laughs> in, the, in the lineup, the two little blokes just staring <laughs> each other down. All right, Group E. So, oh, wait, hang on. So who's going through here? Um, I'm going to go Argentina and Croatia, I think. Oh, Roll's going with Nigeria and Croatia? No, no. <laughs> I can't bet against Argentina. As much as I love Croatia, I love me some Modric. Uh, but Argentina and Nigeria are just... Uh. I'm wearing the jersey, so I have to go... You have to. Nigeria top in the group, Argentina second. <laughs> okay. Even though I don't really believe it, but... All right. Victor Moses, top goal scorer. Group E, Serbia, Brazil, Switzerland, Costa Rica. I don't care. <laughs> Brazil top, yes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, how many goals will Neymar get? Uh, he in the might... group stage, it's 17. <laughs> Did you see the goal he scored against Austria? Was yes. Austria? Yep. My lord. And against Croatia as well. Oh, so, it's all the He looks thing. in half-decent form. Yeah. I think he's a reasonably... He doesn't need player. to be fit for this group. <laughs> no, no. He's also had a rest for like three months. So, um, I, But who's coming second? I mean, Switzerland <laughs> should, but they're always rubbish. They should? Yeah. I, I would think Serbia. Who's on, who do they have? Matic, SMS. That's it. That's what I can think about. Can they score a goal? Uh, they have a striker who's really good. I can't remember his name now. Um, I'm, and I'm just really hoping it's not um, the one that plays in Newcastle that's on the bench. Oh, Mitrovic? Yeah. They definitely have a Mitrovic. Whether it's, that <laughs> it's, not, Mitrovic. it's not him. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I don't know who the striker is. Hang on. Roll, any idea? We, we, the we're, Serbian strikers? We're, we're feverishly Googling here. <laughs> Guys, um, We're just stalling on. here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, outfield players. That's not helpful. Okay. Yeah. Alexander Mitrovic, uh, Alexander Prijevic, wow. and Nemanja Radonic. Okay. So, oh, Luka Jovic. He's supposed to be very good, no but idea. he's really young and I really don't uh, know. Zivkovic from Benfica is a name I've heard before. Ah, yeah. okay. And they've got Luka Milivojevic if they get penalties. Okay, okay, look, is Serbia's gonna go through? Because what's Switzerland gonna do? Is it Shakiri? Really? No, Shakiri's awful. Oh, God. I Wait, why, why, are you, why, are we not, why are we counting out Costa Rica here? Some Pura Vida. Fair, stuff. fair. Joel well, Campbell's. Joel Campbell, uh, some Kaylor Navas between the pipes. I'm actively uh, some, cheering against Costa some Rica. Brian why? Bad experience four years ago with some Ticos. Fair. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right, so Brazil and Serbia, fair enough. Um, group F South Korea who will never again live up to their 2002 hype. Nope. Uh, Germany, Sweden, and Mexico. I think this is going to be the lowest scoring group. Although Germany might beat someone 7-0. But other than that, because Sweden don't score goals. Nope. No. Mexico, eh, barely. Korea aren't going to score many. And Germany will just do enough to get through and save their energy, you know? This one, to me, is, is Germany like winning every game. And then it's between, this might be a little bit controversial, I don't know, but I think it's between Sweden and Korea. 
Whoa. I, I, I'm not, I'm not, not having any of Mexi- anything about Mexico. See, I agree with this, because every World Cup you go into, and people are like, oh, Mexico might do something here, and they never do. <laughs> no, they this don't. will be the one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's your, that's your second bold prediction, World Cup. Okay, uh, so so Germany and, and Mexico for a For me, yeah. yeah. All right. Um, group G, Belgium, oh, this is the big one. It's the big one. Belgium, England, Panama, Tunisia. This is a bigger waste of time <laughs> than the Brazil group, to be honest. If England cannot do this, England should actually pack up and just stop playing football. They will get through this group. You know what? They're going to get tied on points with Belgium. It's going to be a goal difference. I agree. That's this, this, there's nothing else to it. I would love Panama to go through just because uh, I'm going to Panama in August on vacation and it would be great to go there after they've had an awesome World Cup. You just think the mood would be better? Yeah, the mood <laughs> would be better. Uh, but no, I think England's going to top this group. Top it, okay. And, and Belgium second. I agree with that because Roberto Martinez, he's an idiot. Yes. No Nangolan. I mean, come on. That, that, get that is unbelievable. Yeah. I, I just, I'm not strong on this Belgium side. I think they're one of those countries... A bit like England, in a sense, and all their players play in the Premier League anyway, so it makes a lot of sense. Where they just they're just gonna flop at the big stage, and for once, for once, all England need to do is beat Panama, Tunisia, and then draw against Belgium, and that's all they need. Really. They played Tunisia first, so you know they should be able to start strong with three points. If they don't, then yeah, they should take a sabbatical from international <laughs> football. The the only thing for me with England is. Their preparation was stupid. So you know this thing where countries play other countries in the same continent because they feel like... Like, you're playing against Tunisia. Why are you playing Nigeria? We do not play the same football at all. So if this is your preparation and you've done shitty preparation, that could get... That, that, that's what I see as a weakness for them. Sorry, who plays like Tunisia? Like, who's your... <laughs> to, to be honest... Don't say Morocco. <laughs> you're just going to say Morocco. I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know. Because... I don't know. Maybe Algeria. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Birmingham. Who but knows? it's not us, that I know. <laughs> no, I, I do think, I do. Th- I mean, I can totally see England kind of scraping a couple of one, maybe two nil wins. And then Belgium and England only need to draw in the last game, last group game. So they just both take it easy and it's like mm-hmm. nil nil, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like Yan um, Zai plays. He's oh, in the World Cup. Why? Is he? He's in uh, it. Uh, supposedly he had a good season at, at Real Sociedad, but like. I'm happy for him. Yeah. But. He's in it. Oh God! He could have been in it for England. So, wow. anyway, uh, Group H, last group. So, this one's quite interesting, actually. I don't really know what to make of it. Senegal, Poland, Colombia, Japan. You would think that Colombia would top it, uh, although I feel like they're also capable of, of goofing things up if they try it. Um, but then Senegal, Poland, and Japan. Uh, don't know. To me, this sounds like a group of four countries that are evenly matched. I'm not buying this whole thing of just because Lewandowski is in Poland that they're supposed to be the best. Sadio Mane is on Senegal. So, and Japan, they're organized. They're always useful. Don't do a Mascherano. <laughs> you are doing a Mascherano. Although, you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> they, they just are, okay? Like, They've got Kasuki Honda on free kicks. Yeah. And then, um, what's uh, Colombia with Hamas, the last World Cup, what Falcao. they did, and this time, Falcao, Muriel. Like, they should be better than, than well, at least Poland. But they absolutely I, I just don't believe they will be. So I think anything can happen here. It's a toss-up. But that said, I'm going Colombia and Senegal. Okay. I concur. I'm going Colombia, Poland. I need Lewandowski to come through. He's in my fantasy World Cup team. So mm. Our fantasy World Cup team. Anyway. Um, so that so that's it. I mean, we're not going to go through, you know, what might happen in the quarters and the semis and all that kind of stuff. But uh, who's your winner? Brazil. Brazil. Really? Or really? Spain? I'm pretty sold on Spain. They look amazing. They, do. they don't have a striker, but they don't need one. No. Really. Germany have proven you don't need a striker. I've seen a lot of people putting Argentina in the final. No. And I find that absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. But. I did, I did someone else's World Cup predictor, and I guess that counts as mine because they asked me to do it. And I have Brazil winning, and I don't think it will be that difficult. It's, it's weird. I just don't see it being that difficult. Interesting. I mean, so Brazil have obviously an incredible team. Mm-hmm. They have a much, much better manager than they did last time. They have actually, a manager. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
who sets them up in a in, in a decent way. They've got they've actually got a central midfield this time. The goalkeeper's even better. So I they will certainly be better than they were last time. But I do I don't know that Spain and Germany just feel to me like they're on a level above. Like Brazil is still catching up to get to that level, but Spain and Germany are already there. Ugh. No? Ugh. Mm. Ah, no. Okay. I, I, on the Germany side, I can understand. Spain, I can't. Why? I'm the opposite. Really? Um, yeah. Okay, I'd like to hear your take first. Well, I, I, I just think Spain have so many options, and they've you know, been flying under the radar a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, they don't need to score a lot of goals because they, they won the 2010 World Cup with a bunch of 1-0 wins. Mm-hmm. They can play possession, they can play direct, they have a lot of experience, excellent goalkeeper, you know, great defensive line. They, they, they don't really have obvious weaknesses and they have a very good coach who knows those players really well because he trained a lot of them in the youth teams. Mm. And I think they have almost every ingredient. I just put Brazil above them because they have more firepower up front. So my thing with if I talk about Spain is I think they have the best goalkeeper in the world I think they have some of the best defenders in the world if you want to call them defenders because I still don't consider Jordi Alba a defender I don't consider Carvajal a defender and I definitely don't consider Ramos a defender right no so they only have one defender yeah PK <laughs> Alex knows I have have warmed to PK. It took a while, but it's still a solid group of players. Those are world class players. Let's call it what it is. Their midfield is spectacular. I love their midfield. Iniesta's gonna probably squeeze the last amount of juice he has in himself. Mm-hmm. But up front, and it's not about scoring goals. This idea of having a number nine score goals, forget that. But I don't see the same cohesion from top to bottom that they had in 2010 and they had in the Euros. Diego Costa, he's not that guy. That that guy with intricate intricate passing can come deep, take it, move. He wants to be fed the ball. And I think that's where things might fall apart. Whereas Brazil, I can't see a weakness. I see a team that is cohesive, that understands how every one plays. They know what they want to do. Germany is the same thing in a sense as Brazil to me. They've done it before. They know how each other works. Except I feel like they need a game changer. And I think Leroy Sané could have been that player if Yogi Love could have got that out of him. Mm. I don't know what Julian Brandt's going to do. I don't know if Royce can actually stand. So yeah, don't he's standing at the moment, but it's not <laughs> going to take much, is it? Yeah. No, that's fair. I, I, the, if, if, I mean, if I were to play devil's advocate and argue against Spain and Germany, I'd almost say that they have too many options. I mean, if I was a Spain manager, I just wouldn't know what to do. Like, you, you could pick 15 different midfields. Yep. There's so many options, whereas Brazil, you can pretty much work out a starting 11 to 14, 15. But uh, Spain and Germany, you could do anything you want. You know what, though? On the on the Brazil starting, like, of course, I think the starting 11 is fantastic, but I don't think there's a better bench than Brazil's bench. Go on. So if you start from the top, who's going to start? The guy really, Jesus is going to start. Yeah, right? I think so. When your sub striker is Firmino, I'm just saying. Sure. That's not bad at all. It's not bad. Then if you have uh, Neymar, probably where? Number left. 10 or left? And then who's on the right? Douglas Costa? Uh, William. William. One of the two. So yeah. Coutinho doesn't start. He might start. But Coutinho in the three, starts, yeah. I think, in the, the three. I, th- I think they start with Casemiro, Paulinho, and Coutinho. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chiche, I guess is how you pronounce it. The Brazil coach loves Paulinho mm-hmm. and he loves Casemiro. So I think Fernandinho might be on the bench, which is, which again, is, insane. Which is insane. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, fair. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then Douglas Costa can come off the bench. And in defense. <laughs> I mean, Miranda, Thiago Silva, Marquinhos. Felipe Luis is on the bench. It's unbelievable yeah. what they have there. No. Ederson is on the bench in goal. And, and my new boy, Fredji. Fredji. <laughs> Keeping it cool with Fredji. <laughs> He's um, on the bench. He's better than the Fredge that they had at the last World Cup. Very much like better than that Fredge. Well, he was a tub. He's <laughs> <laughs> appropriately named. Um, all right, fair enough. Brazil, interesting. Yeah. Who's hmm. the top scorer at the World Cup? Uh, Neymar Neymar could win it in the group stage Mm -hmm. as you said Neymar could win it in the group stage he has a good few few games and it's all over yeah Yeah. all you need is what six seven who who else would maybe maybe a Griezmann of France go really deep or Timo Werner but yeah I mean it's it's there for Neymar I feel like Germany share the goals around a bit too much Griezmann yeah maybe but I think France will go out Mbappe, I think, has a, has a shot. I think so. I think he could be the breakout. I don't know if you could call him breakout because he's already pretty great, but on, on the international stage, this could be 
yeah. big tournament for him. So, so no, no one's going Salah. No, no. <laughs> so I don't think he can shoulder the responsibility. Hey. So let's use the last five minutes of our World Cup segments. I, I think there's some big picture questions. Thank you for putting a time limit on this. Well, I'm just, uh, you know, no, for the computer. I it's can good. See it. We needed one. <laughs> so, um, France, what, what are they capable of? Because I think they're the big story, really. Brazil, to me, winning it, I don't. I think that's not an event. It will probably happen, or at least the final. But France, their team is so talented. They should at least get to the semifinals with the talent that they have. Maybe even win it in some some circles. Can they? Will they? What's the situation? I think they can. I think they can win it all if it goes well for them. Just because the talent is just ridiculous. Mm. So despite Deschamps, I think they can win it. I don't think they will win it. I think they make it to the semis. Probably playing some really good football along the way. At least once the knockout stages get started and they're warmed up. So I think it's uh, it's going to be a good a good showing from them. And Mbappe, I think, is going to have a great tournament, like I said. Do they need Paul Pogba? At his best to win this. I think you could argue that they might even do better without him. It's possible. I, a lot of people talk about Tolisso. If, if, if Pogba were to play at his best, I think, then you that would probably give you the best chance. But the risk of... The chances of him being at his best mm-hmm. and the whole system working for him mm-hmm. seem to be pretty slim. Mm-hmm. That it hasn't seemed to quite click at United. It hasn't seemed to really click with France lately. And so I think, honestly, you might get a better, more fluid and, and working system without him. Especially because if you think about it, really, you'd get the best out of him with two other midfielders there and him having the freedom to bomb forward. Mm. Which means that you can't play Griezmann as a 10, really. You mm. kind of have to play him as a central striker or wide, but you're not going to play him wide because that's a waste of time. So, yeah, I just, I just think... You know, Toliso, Kante, Matuidi, or... It could, it could work. Or, could work. I mean, who else have they got in midfield? I think... I hope they have Kondogbia, uh, but I don't know if they do. I, I think, don't think... I think, I don't think Zonzi he's got picked, didn't he? Who? Zonzi. One of those two yes. did not get picked. In Zonzi's yeah. there. In Zonzi's so there. Kondogbia might not be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Rabiot famously didn't, and yeah. turned out being on the wait, the uh, standby list. Which is a shame, because he, uh, he brings a certain... Je ne sais quoi. But yeah, no, I mean, they, they've absolutely got the talent to make the semi final or final, but I agree. I, just, I don't know. Okay. Deschamps an idiot. Okay. Um, another one. Uh, Alex's favorite topic England. I, I think, I think expectations on England are the lowest they've ever been, which is a great thing. We Probably you can just watch England and just watch them for what they are. But England have had a lot of false dawns. Euro 2004, Wayne Rooney. Had a fantastic tournament. Everyone then thought 06 he was going to run the world. He didn't do that. Um, Turned out it was Beyonce. Euro 96. He had a great tournament. Thought World Cup 98. Same thing. I even haven't had that preceding tournament where they did well and then screwed up in the big one. So, one, do you think England can do well? And two, how good will Harry Kane be in the World Cup? Well... I think England will have a good tournament, which I think for this current England setup means uh, making it to the quarterfinals, which mm-hmm. I think would be progress, and I think England fans should be happy with that. I don't see them going beyond that. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, I think they play, they'll play some good football and, and make it to the quarters, and I think in the bracket that I did, I had them losing to... Oh, I forget now. But I think I had it as Germany. Uh, well, <laughs> if they're meeting Germany, <laughs> you know how that ends. Yes. So, uh, yeah, but I'll leave the... the Harry Kane question to to Alex. Uh, how good can he be? It depends. I, I, it's not really an individual question. I, he's not someone that he can take control of a game or like take it by the proverbial scruff of the neck mm-hmm. if he gets given the ball, you know, in the final third and he can like turn and um, crack off a shot or something. But if England are crap, mm-hmm. then there's not much he's gonna be able to do. Right. Um, so I would expect him to get maybe two goals in the groups group stage I'd expect England to not play brilliantly but do enough to get through the group right and then I think yeah second round or knockout depending on who they play in those in those games second round or or, or quarter final would be absolutely reasonable I think though that there is the potential there for if they get lucky they could they could scrape a a semi-final there's enough talent in the team with like Sterling and Lingard and and Delhi and Kane and what Southgate has tried to do by playing this like three-five-two kind of system, mm-hmm. is he knows that it's not the greatest quality of squad, especially in midfield and at the back. But he does have 
creative attacking talent. So he's given this base, this foundation, mm-hmm. that is not particularly exciting, but kind of says, we're going to try and keep things secure here. Mm-hmm. If you four can go and nick something, go and do it. And I think that's probably the best and most sensible tactical approach that England have had mm-hmm. going into a tournament in a long time. So I'll ask a tactical question. I, I think, for me, of the England... You know, when you look back on the world-class, quote-unquote, players, and you look at the Paul Gascoigne's and Rooney and Harry Kane, I think that's the those are the three I can think of, really. In terms of, you know, you have your Beckhams and your Scholes and whatever, but the guys who were the face of the team, let's put it that way. To me, Harry Kane's the third one. Also because, like you said, he's not the one that's going to drag you to do anything unless his supporting cast is good enough. So I wonder, is Raheem Sterling the person that you want to partner Harry Kane or tactically, do you push Deli Ali a bit higher, maybe push Sterling to the bench, and then Phil put someone else in that Deli Ali spot? Because I'm thinking if you're England, you probably give Harry Kane the platform to succeed by giving him the ball. And I'm not sure Sterling is that guy, because he's a bit wasteful in the final thirds, even with his output this season. I, I just wouldn't be looking at Sterling as the guy that, that gives Kane the ball, though. I, I feel mm-hmm. like Kane is probably receiving it deeper and Sterling's the one making the run mm-hmm. around the corner, something more like that. I, I don't think Sterling is there to like be creative in that mm-hmm. respect. But if you have, like, it, what it seems like, because for a long time it looked like it was going to be like a 3-4-3 three, three almost, mm-hmm. with like Kane in the middle and then Sterling on the right and someone else on the left, mm-hmm. whether it was Lingard or Ali. But now it looks more like it's going to be um, you know, the five at the back, sort mm-hmm. of, and then one of Dyer and Henderson mm-hmm. with Ali and one other, probably Lingard, playing as kind of like the, the two eights kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then Sterling and Kane. Mm-hmm. And that is a bit more flexible in that the, other than Henderson or Dyer role, the others can kind of do what they want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I asked the question primarily because England have not scored many goals in the last six or seven. And I think that front two, front three, whatever, is, is a bit of a problem. Um, last question on the World Cup. Speaking of attacking players, Lionel Messi, Argentina. What can we expect? I mean, some you were saying they, they may not even get out the group, but but not. you also said they could potentially get to the final if Messi carries them like he did in twenty fourteen. I, I don't see that happening. Actually, I, I can't see them making it to the final. I just don't see it. Mm. No, they, they'd have to get. On, on their day, of course, like on his day, Messi can destroy any, any team on his own. Mm-hmm. But he'd need to have like three or four of those to get them to the final. Mm-hmm. They also lost their keeper. They also lost their keeper. They, the they the new Lanzino. guy coming in, the new keeper hasn't been capped for Argentina. <laughs> and they have a pretty shitty defense. I think they still, I don't know yep. how they play back there. Montreal's still going to start. Magado, whatever his name is. Otamendi's there. Otamendi's there. Fazio. Uh, Fazio is like seven feet tall, can't really move. Yeah. I don't know who that is. He plays, but wow. I don't know who he is. Wow. Um, I, I keep wanting them to bring uh, Sorin back, just for the just hair. For the hair. Yeah. Um, yeah, they just have too many weaknesses that I can't see them going to the final. I agree. I'm going to say quarterfinals, maybe semis. Fair enough. All right, should we take a break? Yep. One thing we forgot to say about the World Cup before we move on to transfers is that uh, Robbie Williams is doing the opening ceremony, isn't he? Millennium. Millennium. That bodes badly for England, then. (laughs) (laughs) Take back the quarterfinal run. (laughs) True. Sorry, I I just, I I don't understand. What's he been doing for the last, like, 15 years? Been loving angels Instead. instead. And through it, oh, she offers me protection, a lot of love and affection, whether I'm right or wrong. Okay, enough, enough of that. Well, was that was gonna... actually pretty good. I was thinking of harmonizing it. <laughs> <laughs> we should have gone on. I was gonna, I see, I was reaching the point where I was like, we might as well finish the song. It's all right. It's fine. Um, anyway, that, that's something to look forward to. Um, and then you can turn it off before Saudi Russia starts. Yeah. Is great. Yeah, great um, all right. Transfers and such. Uh, Patrick Vieira is the new manager of Nice, yeah. which is good. Not because I care about Nice, but because I want to know if he's any good and it's hard to tell in MLS. I'm interested in seeing him manage Balotelli if Balotelli stays there. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think that would be wonderful. Patrick has said we have a lot to talk about with regards to Mario. Okay. I think it's exciting. Balotelli's been really good. He's back in the Italy fold. 
Yeah. And for Vieira, I mean, I think it's a perfect, the right kind of move for him. He's in Europe, but not a big, big club. Mm. Uh, you know, it's his country, France. Yeah. Excited. Fair I, enough. I agree. Uh, I've got a, a tiny bit of ITK. Well, it's more of a prediction. But Nice have just signed this guy called uh, Danilo from Braga. Different Danilo. Mm-hmm. The second Danilo. Mm-hmm. Uh, for like 7 million. And I'm just going to say, you heard it here first. Watching like a year or two, someone will be paying big, big money for him. Isn't that because of the that KJ's uh, thing? Someone bought the wrong Danilo or something? Oh, that may have happened. Oh, I'm not sure. No, no, no. Um, it wasn't <laughs> him, though. Um, so Liverpool started the summer transfer window off with an absolute bang. They lost the Champions League final, and the next day they went, right, we're getting Fabinho, right? Forget yeah. about the Champions League. We've got Fabinho. And that, I mean, that is a quality signing. It is, and they only got him for a burger and a cork. Like, that's literally how much... It was 45 million. In this day and age, it's nothing. It's a bargain. If Granit Xhaka is 35 to 40, then Fabinho for 40 is, is fantastic business. It's, it, you're losing Emre Chan. In fact, they happily let him go. Because, let's not forget, Naby Keita's coming in as well. Yeah. So, Naby Keita with Fabinho... That is that's, that's impressive. That's a new midfield for them. That's impressive. Yeah. Which, is, which is interesting because, you know, on the back of the season they've had, you wouldn't have thought they needed revolution. But they've basically replaced their whole central midfield. I mean, if you have those two... And let's get on to Fakir, because the plan clearly was to get Fakir, who is a number 10. Mm-hmm. And usually they play a 4-3-3, and you're kind of thinking, well, where does Fakir fit into that? But if you get Fabinho and Keita, you can have that as a solid base and then put Fakir in, in front of them. Mm-hmm. Then um, you have a front four that's scary. Front six that's scary. Well, you know, yeah. yeah. I mean, I was I was legitimately scared for a bit, and then Fakir's ACL turned up, or so Is it seems. Is that what it was? ACL. Well, so allegedly, things were very very advanced. Fakir was like picking out his shirt and that his kind of stuff. Hashtag Fakir Day on Twitter. Exactly, and uh, and and then Liverpool found something in his knee in the medical, and allegedly tried to renegotiate the price based on the thing that they had found. It wasn't. Supposedly, not that they wanted to cancel the deal, but that they thought the price should be reduced based on the information. Which, which indicates that this will happen in the end. That's my. I th- I feel like it, it probably is, will. It's going to happen. Of course, Leon, do, in my opinion, doing the right thing because they're standing firm by the agreement that they had. I don't care. He's played how many games with us, so that's all the proof you need. Liverpool will come back and they'll probably pay the money. This is what they did with Virgil Van Dijk, by the way. They tried to play hardball. They came back and paid. Over the odds, so they eventually they'll get their man and they'll pay the money. Fair enough. Ro, have you seen much of Fakir? No, I can't claim to, but uh, obviously I've been hearing about him a lot from people who do watch a lot of Liga, and he's had a he's had a great season. It's a shame for him that this isn't settled going into the World Cup. But on the other hand, if he if he goes and has a fantastic World Cup, that'll drive up his price, and that'll that could get other teams interested in him, and then Liverpool might have a a, a bidding war to contend with. So I think they should have just thrown an extra 10, 15 million now and seal the deal now and not have to stress about it. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Yeah, it, it would have been it would have been a pretty amazing start to a transfer window to secure Fabinho and, and Fakir. Um, Simone Verdi, I'm bringing this up. I know no one really cares about this, but he's gone from Bologna to Napoli for 22 million. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because Napoli nearly bought him in January. Mm-hmm. And for, I can't remember why it fell through. I think maybe uh, De Laurentiis didn't want to pay... Uh, what Bologna were asking at the time. And so he left uh, Napoli's squad very thin on the ground going into the run-in when they were trying to win Serie A. And so I just find it a bit funny now that they've gone back and paid the money and bought the player six months after they actually needed him. Yeah, but it's De Laurentiis. He always does weird things that no one understands and they always get competitive, although they won't win the league. True. Raul, you support a team that has been managed by Carlo Ancelotti. How do you see him fitting at Napoli? Because on the, on the face of it, it seems a slightly odd fit. He, he will not win the league. No one wins the league <laughs> with Ancelotti, unless he's coaching <laughs> PSG. It's, it's true. Chelsea uh, did. Uh, that's true, yeah. But in, in general, I think he, he's a really good tournament coach. I think he'll take them further in the Champions League than they have been. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Otherwise, he, he just... Uh, He's too stubborn in that he picks, he has 13, 14 players who he really likes and doesn't really like to rotate all that much. And in the league, that, that takes its toll. At least I'm basing basing this off his, his tenure at, at Madrid. Right. 
That's interesting because that kind of that's the kind of thing that Sarri was being accused of last season as well. No, I was gonna say it. It might make him a better fit for. To me, it's a it's a no lose situation. Napoli are not going to win the league, and there's been a lot of people who've been down on Ancelotti after his Bayern Munich regime. So a little bit less pressure overall. Mm-hmm. And I'm not one of those people that believes that he's a spent force. I don't I don't get how you no, win a league right at Bayern Munich and then you become a spent force. It doesn't make sense to me. But it's a bit, in my opinion, it's a bit of a low ambition move. I would have, if I, I, I thought he would have waited for a big job to come up and really chase that, as opposed to Napoli, where you're not going to win. We, do, we all know that. Apparently, he was offered the Italy job. And he, no, this is better. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that's a, he seems perfect for the Italian national team. Yeah. This mm-hmm. is style of management. I think he. I read that he didn't take it because he wasn't happy with the, the terms, the, the, the salary. Okay. But, but I, I think he should have taken that. He'd have, you know, Italian football expectations for the national team are at an all-time low. True. He could sort of really take his time going into the Euros a couple of years from now. By, by style of management, do you mean just not really managing very much? <laughs> yeah, just not being, you know, a, a super tactical manager and just being more of a player's, player's manager. You know, I, th- I think right. that sort of style suits national teams well, where you don't see the players that much. So when you do see them, it, it just helps to, to be an easygoing, likable mm-hmm. character. I think that's fair. But let, let me clarify something. I'm not trying to disrespect Napoli that say they're not a big club. They are a big club. But I just really wanted the man to just wait out Jose Mourinho's impending third season bust up and then join my team. That, that's, that's really okay. where this comes All right, from. We've got to the nub of the issue. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's, stay, let's stay in Italy for a little bit. Um, Mattia, Mattia, Mattia Perrin. Um, Genoa to Juventus, 13 million. He's a goalkeeper, he's young, he's Italian, he's very promising, he's been talked about for a long time. The thing with this one is that uh, allegedly other Italian big clubs have been bidding for this guy for a while over the 13 million that Juventus have ended up paying for him and everyone's thinking a bit Calciopoli on this one because they don't know why Genoa have accepted 13 million for him when they've had bigger bids in the past. I think... uh without saying the word that you just used, there's a little bit of that in there. What he said. <laughs> okay. All right. No, wow. The, the, the mafia's got to you. Guys. All right. Um, well, speaking of mafia, uh, Rajan Angolan, <clears throat> uh, this, this took me by surprise. I was not expecting this, and it's not completed, but it seems like he is about to complete a 30 million euro move to Inter Milan to reunite with Luciano Spalletti, um, who who possibly got him playing the best football of his career. I don't understand. Uh, there are two things I don't understand. One, why Roma would sell him now. And two, why Inter are the only club trying to do this deal. It Bernie's makes me crying. Think is, is there something about Nangolan that we don't know? No, I think we know Personality it. Personality-wise? But is he... It never struck me as that difficult a character to be left out of the Belgium squad and not have every top team in Europe almost knocking on Roma's door for a signature. I don't, I don't get it. Is 30 it, million he, for him is a steal. He must love Italy with all his heart. And maybe he's put off other clubs by saying, I don't want to leave this country. That's the only thing I can see. Because if I even look at, for example, Manchester United will talk about this, but they've just confirmed Fred. Now... I, he looks good, but I don't know. But Fred plays the exact same way as Nangolan. I'll take Nangolan any day of the week over Fred. Any day of the week. That is quite a compliment to Fred. Well, <laughs> he could turn out to be wonderful. But still, I, it's, it's the guy I know, right? Yeah. And the guy I know who is brilliant consistently. I don't understand why, like as, as Rahul said, every big club in the world, from Real Madrid to the not-so-big clubs like Arsenal, should be after this guy. I, don't, I just don't get it. See, I don't, I don't disagree with you, although I don't find it that surprising. So, Nangalan's thing is that he smokes, mm-hmm. brazenly, and he likes to party. Now, so far in his career, that has not affected his performances, as far as we can tell, very much. He's still a very high-quality performer, but he's also 30 years old. And so, if you're a club that is about to go out and buy you know, a linchpin central midfielder for a lot of money, not that 30 million at this point is a hell of a lot of money but you would have reservations you would have reservations and as much as I think Roberto Martinez is a dick and should have taken Nangolan to the World Cup I do kind of get why he doesn't want his central midfielder smoking a pack of cigarettes every week 
or a day or however much. But like you said, it hasn't affected his performance. Sure, but I'm saying if you're investing in him, right? At but if you, years if you old, invest in Nangalan, you're it's a short-term investment, which I think at this price is 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 a no-brainer. Despite you know the concerns you you outlined, if if, if you yeah, want I, someone I, to I come in, I changed my mind. I changed my mind. Uh, I just googled Raja Nangalan because obviously I was in love with the guy. Um, and I have found the pictures of his wedding and the suit that he wore. I now decided <laughs> he will be a terrible role model please, please for, the, for the youth of any for us, Um It is blue with this weird flowery pattern all over it, and it has a stiff up, up like stiff collar that is uh, almost to your to your ear, mm-hmm. and it's it looks like something a vampire would have worn back in the day. It's no, absolutely not. Well, listen, have you seen some of the suits Messi's worn to the Ballon d'Or gala? That, that's I mean, a, those are you take the sartorial shittiness for that's a disgrace. So, so, just for you guys, that's a quick look of Raja Nangalan. Well, maybe this is actually going to be our podcast photo. Yeah, we probably should make it. That is awful. Yeah, I, I do. I do just want to go back to your comment about it's what vampires wore back in the day, as if their dress sense has evolved <laughs> over time. <laughs> What are they wearing now? <laughs> just denim jackets. <laughs> um, all right, let's move on. I think vampires just goths, really. <laughs> yeah, probably true. Let's move on. Um, here's an underwhelming transfer. Uh, Gerard Delefeo, Barcelona to Watford for 11.5 million. Does anyone care? I think it's the fifth time that he's left Barcelona. <laughs> Will he be back? No, that's, I'm not making that up. I no. think it's, uh, including loans and whatever else weird deals. I think it's his fifth and last time leaving them. He is... An incredible talent, but he is—he's also an idiot. Yeah, uh, that's why it's just difficult for him to, to really grow his roots in any one club. Fair. It's, it's hilarious that he started off the season as a starter for Barcelona. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> and and then they bought Dembele, and then he was out of the team, and then Dembele broke himself. Yeah. And he got back in the team. And now him. the rumors of him going on loan to Arsenal, which is also hilarious. That would be unbelievable. Um, I did see a very, a very clever uh, tweet about this from I think uh, Nathan Clark, who said um, Delafeu is a young player with talent who has a propensity for falling out with his managers. So where best to send him than a team that changes their manager every year yeah. and a half, so that you know can't stay long enough to fall out. With exactly, Makes pretty sense. clever. Um, John Flanagan released on a free transfer. Well done. Does anyone want him? Well done. No. No comment. M- MLS part. <laughs> oh, good shout. Uh, no, he's not even good enough for Toronto. <laughs> um, we have Vanderbilt, we're good. He'd be the Canadian Premier League first foreign signing, hey. John Flanagan. Um, Ricardo Pereira, uh, Porto right back, uh, very good right back. He's gone to Leicester. Why? Oh. Any idea? Hmm. No. None. Okay. None I mean, Although, I, I will say Leicester's recruitment has been fantastic. Who else? I am a great, they just signed Johnny Evans for three point five million pounds. Mm. That is a wonderful business. Fair. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, anything that gets Danny Simpson off the football pitch is a good thing, right? Okay. Uh, Brian. Oh, back to Italy. Brian Cristante, Atalanta to Roma, thirty million. So maybe this was the thing that the, the lube that allowed the the Nangolan deal to to slide through. Um, I hate you so much. <laughs> Cristante uh, is somewhat Canadian. He could have yeah. played for Canada, right? He could have, could have, should have, won't. Understandably chose not to, and now he's in the Italian team, so there okay. you go. That's a fair, fair deal. Yeah. Uh, what else we got? We got Emre Chan to Juventus, we've already mentioned this. Oh, uh, Diogo Dallo. Bernie, tell us about your new Portuguese right back. I can only tell you based on what I've read, not anything I've seen. <laughs> but uh, 19-year-old right back, played I think nine games or so, and uh, apparently he's very good. Can play both flanks, which actually scares me. I don't want a multifunctional <laughs> player right <laughs> it anymore. I want a specialist, please and thanks. Um, not the Brazilian Dennis Irwin. Uh, Come on. No. Uh, it seems that Antonio Valencia will retain his spot as right back, and I'm okay with that. I don't think he was a problem at Manchester United. Um, I was reading a couple articles saying that this guy is part of a change in the way Manchester United do transfers. So the former head scout of Juventus who brought Morata and I think Dybala and some other people, is the guy leading, or under Jim Lawler, leading his scouting. So they're casting their net wide, trying to bring in young players and people that they think fit a certain profile, which, finally, I think we, we're getting to the point where we're actually getting back to what we used to do. Well, especially when you have a manager who is famous for working with young players and getting the best out of them. Yep, yep, yep. Although, I hate him so much. <laughs> I hate him so much. I always have to put that on the record. 
But I give him more credit this season for dealing with young players than he's ever had in his career. I think he did his best work this season. You know McTominay doesn't count. He played. That's all I care about. He was a political pawn in a game with Paul Pogba. He had, he had an outstanding game and held was part of the team that held Salah, Salah to doing nothing. He had one outstanding McTominay game. Was <laughs> to, right? McTominay was to the Man U midfield what um, uh, was it Kiko Casilla was to the Real Madrid. Yeah. Or was it someone else? Was it Adan. Adan. Yeah. yeah Adan he was. He was. And then Mourinho gave him a, the best player, like manager's <laughs> best player. I was like, what are you doing? But, You're just going to get him beaten up in the January. But sure, what he did with Rashford... He played the most minutes of anyone, which is interesting. And Lingard, I give him credit for that. But take that with a big shovel, a big truck <laughs> of salt. Because he did what he had to do, not what he wanted to do. Fair. Okay. Um, a couple more. Uh, Fred, we've already kind of spoken about. Central midfielder. Tiny for a, for a Mourinho signing. He's mm. only five foot six. Again, changes are coming. Yeah. <laughs> and you can't see it coming because it's only five foot six. Johan <laughs> um, Gorkouf, one of the best looking footballers oh. in the world. He's on a free transfer. Really? What do we yeah. do about this? Uh, can we Send him p- to Nice. Ooh, good shout. Setting up, you know, Goku setting up uh, Balotelli with Vieira on the sidelines. Where, what, where was he? Was Just he back at Rennes? Ajaccio? Or something? Or I don't know. Sochaux? Like, yeah, some hipster French, French place. Teams. Oh, wow. I mean, I was going to suggest we have a whip round and see if we can get him onto our co-ed team, but, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah, that he might not want to play in the winter. So. <laughs> we play indoors, it's fine. Yeah, he was at Rennes. Oh. There you go. Oh, well. 31 years old? No. The West Ham not going to have a punt on that. <laughs> um, I will end with Stefan Lischsteiner. Arsenal needed a right back. Uh, and we also needed someone who knows how to win a game of football. Mm-hmm. So he's both of those things. Whether he can run very much anymore, I don't know. Um, yeah, I think it's a good signing, mm. good leader. But I don't want to talk about him. Uh, I want to ask the two of you managerial questions since we have five minutes left. Uh, we'll start with Rahul. Zinedine Zidane, we haven't talked about him on the pod. We haven't had a pod since he left. Uh, do you want to say something nice about the man? Yeah, I think the way he's carried himself uh, through this whole his coaching tenure has been impeccable. I think he left for the right reasons. He really felt that he had stretched this group to the limit, and he really believes he's not the man to take to take care of the rebuild. Mm-hmm. And um, he announced his resignation early enough that we have time now to, mm-hmm. uh, to uh, look at a replacement. I was uh, sad because it's the end of an era, but kind of excited but scared about mm-hmm. what comes next. I don't really know. Like, we're, we've been linked with all kinds of names. Like, today, AVB popped up on Conte. <laughs> <laughs> like, and on the other hand, we have, like, fun names like Guti and uh, Fernando Iero and Michel, a legend from the 80s. And then... All, all, it's it's really confusing. It's not clear. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, the path I would go is like the former player, even the if Guti. he's not that experienced. I'd go with you know Michel or Guti. Sedorf would be awesome to have. I was I just thinking that. Except he didn't he just get Debo relegated. Yes, but he it wasn't his fault. He just got into the job pretty late, and he improved their football. But I, I don't see us going for Sedorf. I have no idea what's going to happen. I just hope we don't get AVB or Conte or someone like that. What is your opposition to Conte? Just quickly. He's too intense for. To be a Real Madrid coach, too prickly, too intense. I think we need someone who's more of the Zidane Ancelotti mold okay. with this current group. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know who that is. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, so because you mentioned Sado, Roll, do I have permission to read out your greatest eleven of all time? Do it. Okay. Yes. I will stand um, by this. So we had a little back and forth, and just because he mentioned Sado, his best eleven of all time, club. Uh, well, I don't know if it's club wise, but whatever. Casillas. Roberto Carlos, Maldini, Nesta. Any arguments there? Any arguments so far? No? We're good. Who's my right back? Uh, Danny Alves. Yeah. So mm, far, so good. Or him, I'm going Kafu. Kafu, sure. okay. Modric made his all-time 11. I have a problem with this. The next name is Clarence Sador. Zidane, Ronaldo, Ronaldo, and Messi. I said Sador over Xavi? Question mark. <laughs> well, this was a, a, tactical, a tactical decision. <laughs> You needed some muscle. Did, didn't I have Makaleli in there? Uh, no, you did not. No, I just, oh. went, I just went gangbusters. Yeah, yeah, you four, did. Three, three. You've gone for the Bentley without the engine. Yeah, 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 you did. Well, see, actually, yeah, this is why I had Sadorf and Modric in there, because they both are... I know Modric doesn't look it, but he's pretty strong, and, and he's a good tackler. And between mm-hmm. like Modric and Sadorf, you have a lot of work rate and defensive contributions that you can let Zidane just dance around and do like footballing ballet. 
So I've told this truth, all right? You, you did say you considered Redondo or yes. Makalele, but you'd have had to sacrifice his dad. Not Modric! <laughs> you'd have had no. to sacrifice his okay, dad. Why, why are we shocked about Modric? This is a man who has won four Champions Leagues, yep. been the best midfielder in all four of those campaigns. He's I one of the greatest says, club midfielders of all time. I think he's absolutely sensational, but I can never put him higher than Xavi or Iniesta, considering That's club, a club, a and tactical country. decision. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we defend this. Com- now. Completely <laughs> objective. I, I would put him above Iniesta myself. Ooh. He's not as gifted, but I, I think I just generally rank Xavi above Iniesta in terms of consistency and overall impact on the way Barcelona played. Mm-hmm. So then if my decision is between Xavi and Modric, again, tactical considerations come into play. Mm-hmm. Sedorf on one side, you know, <laughs> Xavi can't, doesn't do much defensively, so mm-hmm. give me some Modric. All right. I, I, just, I just had to get him to defend that. Uh, no, that's but, fair enough, yeah. and I think he did well. The, the, the other thing I, I wanted to, to do before we end it was talk about quickly, quickly Unai Emery, because we didn't talk about that. Mm. Uh, Alex... Feelings? Uh, not many yet. I, pleased that we have a new manager. He, he started very well. His first press conference, he, he tried to do it mostly in English. That impressed a lot of people. He said all the right things right. about making the team work harder, about tactical discipline. He, it was as if Gazidis was like, here's what people want to hear. Make sure you hit these points. And he did, and he hit all those points. Yep, and to be fair, what he said is backed up from what he's asked of his teams in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels like a pretty sensible appointment appointment for the next two, three years. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're looking any longer term than that. But get them back into the top four with a squad of fairly experienced players that he can get to follow his ideas. It makes sense. It's mm-hmm. not the most exciting appointment in the world, mm-hmm. but it makes sense. All right. Okay. On that note, um, we're done talking footy. Anyone want to plug anything? Because this is where we usually do. Oh, Raul's got something to plug. Do I? What, yeah. What, 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 what you wrote plugging? an article. Oh yeah, go to uh, go to uh, globalnews.ca and uh, type in uh, World Cup 2026 in the search bar. I just wrote a thing about looking forward to Wednesday, which is when we find out whether uh, FIFA nations vote for Morocco or the United 2026 bid. I spoke to Paul Stalteri, a uh, gentleman, Canadian soccer legend, and I also spoke to Erin uh, McLeod, who's the goalkeeper of the women's team. Mm-hmm. She's played in three World Cups, and she knows what it's like to play a World Cup at home because of the last one. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so yeah, I just spoke to the two of them about their hopes for you know this bid and what it could do for the world's uh, you know for the beautiful game in our country and you know how do you guys feel? Are we gonna get it? The bid uh, is it good? Do we care? If uh, yeah. I care, I want I really want Toronto to to be involved in this. Um, I don't know if we're gonna get it. I, it seemed like we were for a very long time, mm-hmm. and then lately it seemed a bit more dicey. Donald Trump's getting involved in that can't be a good thing. No. Um, I think probably we'll just about get there, but it's not it's not clear so. cut. I, I I think it I think it'll happen. At one point, I actually was actively campaigning <laughs> as if my voice has any meaning, but then I came back aboard. Uh, so yeah, I hope, thanks, I, man. I hope we get that. Uh, we have trivia night. Oh yeah, tomorrow uh, night. I think it's number seven. Yep. Mm, so, wow. Rahul, you're coming. Yeah, we, we uh, put up a pretty pathetic showing in the last <laughs> edition. I think we finished like third from bottom or something. So this time we are eager. We're training hard. We're no, we haven't been doing any of those things, but but we hope to do well. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you'll get out of the relegation zone. Yeah, that's, that's about it. <laughs> okay. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, if you've got any feedback, at under underscore the kosh on Twitter or under the kosh blog at gmail.com. And uh, we'll be podcasting fairly regularly throughout the World Cup. Yep. So we will talk to you soon. Awesome. Cheers. Thank you for downloading the Koshcast. Get in touch at underthekoshblog at gmail.com, follow us on Twitter at under underscore the kosh, and for articles, predictions, and the full experience, go to underthekoshblog.com.